going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by Immaculate Sports. Twitter's at Immac Sports. Instagram is also at Immac Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. Uh, it is episode 121, but it's not a regular episode. You know, Kyle yeah. and I came up last night with some other things we wanted to talk about, NBA, NFL-wise, but uh, we went to watch Monday Night Football and, and something bigger happened. Yeah, uh, so everybody knows about the DeMar Hamlin situation now at this point. Uh, so I feel like I'd, we don't want to be the guys that are just, you know, addressing the stuff that's happening over and over again and all this crazy stuff. But uh, uh, obviously prayers going out to his family, to him, to uh, all the players on the Bills, uh, the fans that were there, the Bengals players as well, because I know T. Higgins is probably going through it right now with uh, being in that situation and people being very nasty in his comments. Uh, and everybody kind of just involved in this as far as like the workers at the hospital as well and mm-hmm. dealing with all this crazy stuff that's going on. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, kind of Hamlin's current state and also yes. for the people that are unsure and uncertain about how something like this can happen or like, what is this injury? I'll go over that a bit as well. Uh, so, he went into cardiac arrest uh, from a blunt force trauma to the chest uh, and how that blunt force trauma to his chest that didn't look anything crazy led to him not being able to breathe and be, having to be resuscitated on the field is a very rare uh occurrence because it has to do with your electrical current or so I forget what it's called exactly. The e- ECG uh, heartbeat wave is what the actual thing is called. But your heart gives off this electrical current and it does it in like three different waves. And then it resets in the three different waves over and over and over again. That's your heart beating. Uh, there's a P wave, there's an R wave, and there's a T wave. Uh, and in order for a blunt force trauma to your chest to lead to what led to for DeMar Hamlin, it has to hit an upswing of the T wave. Uh, which is a very minuscule part of your heart beating. That's why we never see this happen. We've, I mean, we've seen it happen, of course, in very rare instances, but that's why people getting hit to the chest don't fall into what Hamlin had over and over and over again. It's because it's a very rare and obscure coincidence uh, of all this stuff aligning. Uh, It is, if you were to fall into cardiac arrest, the good thing is that he had it happen in one of the best possible places that you can happen on a football yep. field where there is medical professionals trained to the max there at all times. There's a hospital, there's a uh, ambulance, there's a, everybody nearby that needs to be nearby. Uh, the only better spot that this could have happened would be a hospital. So we are in a good part there that that happened there and not at his house or anything like that. Uh, and then some current stuff going on. Uh, he was given a hundred percent oxygen throughout the night. And according to his uncle, he is now at 50% oxygen. So they are having to give him less and he's breathing more on his own. So that's really good there. All signs pointing forward, it seems like, uh, based off of what the public knows. It's also really good that we don't know much because if we do, then that could be a violation of HIPAA and stuff that you don't want to violate when it comes to legal stuff. So us not knowing stuff isn't necessarily a bad thing. It just 
has to do with legal stuff because you can't just disclose other people's personal information, especially doctors and all that stuff. If people from the family want to say stuff that is felt okay by the rest of the family, then by all means they can. Family seems to be very cooperative though, which is pretty cool too. Yeah. And it's, it's a very, it's a situation that kind of brings everybody together. I mean, I think everybody's seen now at this point, uh, the NFL's profile photos and all that stuff is all the, the pray for Hamlin, which is pretty cool. Uh, his charity foundation has reached over $5 million nice. now at this point, which is absolutely insane. Uh, and yeah, we're all hoping for a speedy recovery. And uh, man, if we get to see him play football again, like yeah, that would be That'd be so crazy. I'd that'd be like bone chilling type stuff. To, Just to, to see watch. him see, you see know, him his, his charity. Fully. Exactly. It's it's yeah. it's really cool, and I really hope that he gets mm-hmm. a chance to uh, see all this stuff. I know Skyler want to talk about a few things before we move on, so uh, I'll let you go ahead here. Yeah. Thank you, Kyle. That was very well said. And you know, the important thing too is there's no need to speculate. You know, like I said, the family's been pretty cooperative, so. Don't go go sounding off online because there's no need to. We have no idea. And, uh, you know, I, I want to – not that the game matters, but there's one thing I don't know if everyone knows. There was a, a rumor going around that the NFL wanted to get the game going after a five-minute break. And we found out afterwards that is the protocol for the usual nasty injuries, like with Tua getting carted off in the ambulance earlier this year. Uh, that's what Joe Buck was referring to. And then the NFLPA had the meeting 2 a.m. Eastern last night. Troy Vincent, the president, said no, no one was going to play anything. So I, it's cool to see that. And I think everyone's handled it perfectly well. Um, Except for Skip Bayless. Yeah, that's that's a whole nother story. But again, that's the point. You know, although this is this is some very sad news, we're all praying for Damar Hamlin. Uh, the thing is, most new news is probably going to be bad. Mm-hmm. And it, it's great hearing, though, that he's he's on to 50 percent oxygen level. Uh, so I assume over the next couple of days they're going to be trying to restore him. Yeah. But, you know, uh, we understand what this show is not the important thing right now, but this is what we do on Tuesday nights. And uh, and we have some playoff football news and predictions that we want to talk about, too. Yeah, And so we wanted to get the DeMar Hamlin stuff out of the way. We're not ignoring it. It's just what we like to do. You know, we're going to make some predictions. It's a shorter episode than usual. Because we just got some stuff we, we have to talk about. Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll go into our somewhat normal routine now at this point. Yeah. Uh, where we start with our opener. Uh, talk about the things that we liked the most from this past week. And the thing that... That I saw this week that I enjoyed the most was all these crazy NBA stat lines. If you look uh, at last night alone within the NBA, Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points and Clay scored 54 points. Uh, last week, Luka Doncic had 60, 21, and 10. Uh, a couple nights later, Giannis had like 47 and 22, and Bede had 43 and 12. LeBron had like a 47 point triple double on his birthday. Uh, and all these crazy stat lines, it's like, it's like NBA 2K, like my career going on right now. Yeah. So it's these, it's been really fun to watch uh, th- these basketball games over the last week or so. 
Yeah. Well, the best thing I saw was pretty much all the college football this past week, but I'm going to highlight the Cotton Bowl. Tulane beats USC 46 to 45. USC was up 45 to 30 with about four minutes left, and they came back and won the game. You know, Caleb Williams played amazing, 460 yards and five touchdowns, but Tulane stole the show, man. They went from, uh, I think it was two and 10 last year to 12 and two. That's the best turnaround in FBS history. And uh, congratulations to the wave, man. Yeah, that was a great game. I actually did not get to watch that, uh, unfortunately, but I remember seeing the reports on on my phone yesterday of all that stuff. Uh, Let's go ahead and move into team reports now. Uh, Rough week for me and Skylar. I just, maybe the, game ending has a bit of a different feel for each of us. Uh, I'll let you go first, Skylar. Tell me about the Jets game in Seattle this weekend. All right. Well, the Jets are eliminated from the playoffs. I expected this to happen, but I didn't expect us to play this poorly. A 23-6 to loss against Seattle. Mike White looked completely lost. He threw two pretty bad picks, and we couldn't run the ball. But I want to highlight Sauce Gardner because he clinched Defensive Rookie of the Year. Four pass breakups, allowed one catch for three yards on DK Metcalf. Uh, what an awesome year for that guy. I did not expect this at all as a, a giant Jets fan, and I'm I'm very happy that he did this. DJ Reed also played awesome, but that's about it. So that's the Jets season. Let's go ruin Miami season, I guess. Yeah. Uh for the Raiders, we lost 37 to 34 to perhaps the best team in the NFC, if not all of the NFL right now, the San Francisco 49ers. Niners came into this game on an eight-game win streak and really were just blowing every single team out that they played. And we took them down to the wire with Jared Stidham. Uh as far as Stidham goes and his performance, I'll talk about that a little bit now, but we do have a segment about that in, in mm-hmm. a few minutes that we'll talk about. He looked really good, though. He, uh, I did not expect this at all. I thought we were going to get killed and just get absolutely dominated this entire game. But he was making throws insane in the first half. He was just hitting. He hit Waller on a touchdown pass. He hit Adams for a fade at the end of the first half. And he was, he looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in the first half. In the second half, things slowed down a little bit. Uh, but he still looked good. He ended up finishing up with 23 for 34, 365 yards, three touchdowns, and two picks. Uh, two picks are going to stand out. But the first one was a batted ball that just landed in Drake Jackson's lap. Like it, he was just in the exact perfect spot. Uh, and Jared Sidham ended up making the tackle on that pick as well. So it's not like he was just like Derek Carr getting out of the way and, you know, feeling bad for himself. He went out and he go made the play to make sure it didn't compound one mistake with another. Uh, and then the second one was more his fault and not just a crazy coincidence, but I'm not too upset with it because it was Nick Bosa bang, bearing down on him. Uh, and he was kind of, I don't know if what he was trying to do, maybe fit the ball into Adams or throw it away. But he ended up getting hit and uh, just kind of popping it in the air for one of the Niners to end up picking off. Uh, as far as that receiving game goes, the guys played really well receiving-wise. Devontae had a great game, seven catches, 153 yards, two touchdowns, one of those being a 60-yard touchdown, uh, which was a crazy play by Sidham and Adams. But a really strong season for Adams so far. we got one game left, uh, but should be over 1,500 yards and already has 14 touchdowns on the season. Uh, Darren Waller, three catches, 72 yards and a touchdown. So pretty good game for Rackwall. 
I just didn't see the reception number that he was as used to the last few years, but still yeah. 70 yards and a touchdown is a great game. Foss Moreau, three catches, 55 yards. Josh Jacobs, four catches for 26 yards. And Hunter Renfro, three catches for 19 yards. So seeing the ball spread around a bit more with Stidham. One thing that I was really impressed with, even though he didn't have that crazy of a game, was Josh Jacobs running uh, 17 carries for 69 yards and a touchdown. He was getting no help from the offensive line. He'd be in a spot where there's like Bosa, another guy, and Andre Greenlaw coming after him in the backfield. And he hadn't even gotten got to the line, yard line of scrimmage yet, my bad. And he'd good. make them all miss. Go five yards and then drag Fred Warner on him for a couple more. And just seeing him yeah. make those hard runs consistently, especially in a game that, you know, might not mean much in the grand scheme of things, was pretty damn cool. And it showed uh, the rest of the nation and one of the best defenses in all of football that Josh Jacobs is a real deal. And he's not just, you know, being up on bad teams. Defensively, we sucked, but that was as expected. Uh, we had one pick. We didn't get to the quarterback at all. Uh, but when we have no Perriman, no Chandler Jones, I don't really expect stuff. <laughs> so uh, a loss there, but I'll take it because move up in the draft order. We're currently at seven. We can be as high as six, as low as nine. I think that's what Alex was telling me. And uh, one week to go. So. Yeah, the, but I did mention it, but the Jets are at 13. They could get to eight, I think, or nine. But if they win, it's you know, they're they're going back up to sixteen, seventeen. Yeah. So yeah. Let's move on to where we went right and where we went wrong on our picks this past week. Uh, I'll start it off. Where I went right was picking Green Bay over Minnesota. I just felt Green Bay had the right vibe coming into this game with uh being on some momentum. You know, the Vikings just lost a rough one. Uh, and it ended up working out that way because the Packers won like 49 to 10 or something like that. Uh, the pick I got wrong was, oh, you did the inverse. Oh, of the I didn't even realize. Yeah. <laughs> I picked the Rams over the Chargers. I thought that was a complete trap game. You know, the Rams just came off of a big victory. Chargers have been looking good, but maybe could have overlooked this game considering the Rams record and the teams that they've been beating. Uh, but the Chargers played really damn well and ended up taking it to the Rams pretty easily. So uh, Chargers getting hot at the right time. That's for them. Yeah. Well, I, I have the complete opposite pick, so I guess I'll, I'll try to give my side of the story here. I took the Chargers to beat the Rams. I know it was a really hot betting play this week, but I felt like the Chargers had something to prove this week, and they did it. They they took care of the Rams pretty quickly. And Green Bay, Minnesota, I apologize um, to Aaron Rodgers. My bad, man. I did not see this one coming. And we're going to talk a little bit more about these teams in the second half here. But, uh, or I guess in the where's your head at section. But yeah, Green Bay is uh, is on fire yeah, at the right time. Really another, another way to say it, man. Yeah. All right. Let's get to where's your head at now. Uh, and where starting off with uh, a Brock Purdy and Jarrett Stidham conversation because I saw the memes. You probably saw the memes. I know. Pretty much every Raider and Niner fan did uh, of the the Peyton Manning Tom Brady oh, memes, yes. and then you like have the glasses and you uh, wipe your eyes and it's Stidham and, and Brock Purdy. So those are pretty funny to see. Uh, but there's a valid question going on with those guys. Both of them look great. Purdy's obviously had a bigger sample size now at this point. 
But Stidham just did it against one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in all football. Yeah. Uh, so it begs the question, will Purdy and will Stidham stick at QBs for their franchises in the future? Well, I'll start with Brock Purdy because right now I think there's no reason to be concerned with him unless he does something completely out of pocket. you got to roll with him throughout the season. He's done things Trey Lance hasn't done yet. And I know maybe it's an unfair comparison because he hasn't been able to show it at all this year, but that's still extremely impressive for Purdy. So you've got to roll with them throughout the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, as far as Purdy goes, I think he probably should be given this job because at the end of the day, he's a rookie still. Like usually we can see these backups come in even late round draft picks or the third year, the fourth year guy. And they have some flaws to them, but Purdy's flaws are excusable because he's a first-year guy. And I think his flaws are a lot less critical than what some of these other guys that have came in and even been first-round draft picks over the last few years. Uh, his arm talent maybe isn't the best in the world, but he is great at escaping in from the pocket and avoiding negative plays. He is very good at getting the ball to Kittle, getting the ball to Ayuk, getting the ball to Debo when he has been able to play. So he's doing a really good job of getting the ball into his playmaker's hands. And he's not turning over the ball that much. He doesn't have any fumbles yet in his five starts now at this point. He's thrown four picks. Uh, one of them was in the Kansas City games when he came in as a backup when they're down like 20. Uh, and then the other three, I mean, the throw to Meek Robertson this past week was maybe a rough pick because he threw across his body. Uh, but the other two, they don't really... Seemed that crazy to me because mm -hmm. one was in his first game against Miami and the other one was against Washington. Uh, but he hasn't really had to do anything crazy quite yet. Uh, he played really good against the Raiders. And uh, I mean, if I'm the Niners, you got to stick with the hot hand, especially if you go win a Super Bowl with this guy. If you don't, and he chokes in the playoffs and he looks terrible. Uh, you know, you're down 14 in the game and he doesn't give you anything. Then maybe you start looking back to Trey Lance and what his potential is or even back to Jimmy and what he's done for you so far in his career. Uh, but if I'm the Niners, I like Brock Purdy as one of my guys right now. Uh, moving on to Jared Stidham, what's your take on that one? You know, I'm never going to complain about a quarterback who could sling it like Stidham was on Sunday. Of course, he's got a shot. But in my opinion, he's a very similar player to what I've seen from Mike White as a Jets fan. You know, when everything's working for these guys, they can look amazing. But there's certain things these guys just can't do. The others, maybe it's arm talent like Purdy. Maybe it's... Uh, making the right reads in the fourth quarter of a game that just are impossible to go on a playoff run with. But, of course, he deserves a chance next year. But Vegas better have a backup plan in case it implodes, uh, whether that's a, a rookie or a vet, because it imploded for the Jets this year, and they just lost five straight. And I don't want to see that for you guys. It's right. bad when you don't have an option at quarterback. So the thing so i was very surprised with Stidham. i didn't realize his arm talent his escapability he he has a rocket of an arm and he's able to move around out of the pocket make guys miss and go get extra yardage uh by being physical as a runner uh, and that's something i just did not expect from him at all uh as far as the future i hope that's not our main idea i hope we don't go into this thinking Stidham is our guy uh because one game doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, when you come in in one game and you play amazing and you go against a team that doesn't have any film against you, except for maybe garbage time two years ago when your yeah. team's up 30 points and the defense kind of relaxing a little bit, you know, it's going to be a lot different. 
so if he does it against Kansas City this week, maybe I'll start being, hey, we should look at this guy in the future. But as of right now, I'm saying no. But if I was the Raiders, I'd probably be in a situation where I go take a rookie quarterback, whether that's Stroud, whether that's Levis, whether that's Anthony Richardson, whoever it is. Start sit him at the beginning of next year. If it works out well for him, you keep him going. Uh, and if it turns out bad, then you obviously have that rookie that you can rely on. Uh, but I'm not convinced quite yet. Uh, I hope he ends up doing well because that'd mean great for me. But uh, I'm not convinced after just one game. It doesn't mean much to me. All right. Let's talk about the other Raiders quarterback that feels weird to say that he is probably no longer a Raider at this point. Uh, Derek Carr. Uh, of course, he gets benched on the Wednesday, the day after we post our episode for last week. And so we didn't really get to talk about it. Now we're kind of late talking about it now. Uh, but he's obviously out now at this point as a Raider. Uh, so where does he go next year? Uh, and could he be a New York Jets guy? Well, Derek Carr of the Jets makes a whole lot of sense. But I know this team better than most. And I know they never do what you expect them to do. So I think Derek Carr is going to go to the Saints. I think a lot of the usual veteran quarterback teams will try to go young this year. Carolina, Indy, Washington. And Dalton's obviously not the guy. That division's going to be wide open again next year. Uh, And another big thing for me here, New Orleans doesn't have many picks over the next couple of years. So a rookie quarterback's kind of off the table, at least for this season. I also like the fit. So I'm going to say Derek Carr goes to the Saints. So I think this is going to end up being a trade. I think, uh, well, I know Derek Carr has a no trade clause. And so he can kind of pick where he wants to go. And if I am an NFL quarterback and I'm looking at the teams and obviously young stars have a very big impact on this, I'm going to go to the team who probably has a defensive rookie of the year, probably has the offensive rookie of the year and has one of the best defensive tackles in the league. What? I'd go to the Jets. I mean, they're in a spot where they have money. They have a young receiver. They have, uh, oh, yeah, Brees Hall. I forgot to mention him. They have Mm -hmm. him, too. Uh, So there's still probably a weapon or two that you need to add to the offense. But if you get Carr and you get a former pro bowler or pro bowler type guy, fuck, that's a 12-win team right there, especially – going against the Patriots who don't really look to be in the best state and, and the Dolphins who are kind of shaky over the past few years. That's uh, probably our top target. If I, if we're, you know, being realistic, we're not getting Lamar Jackson, you know, this would probably be the best fit. Uh, and I'm sure later in the off season, we'll be having these conversations who in the world is going to be playing quarterback for us. So I like this conversation. Yeah. When we do our, our NFL QB predictions, yeah. we've done the last few years. His name's going to come up for one of these teams. Yeah. We know that. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the last playoff spot in the NFC and the AFC. Currently in a very interesting situation for the last spot in the NFC. We'll talk about that one first. Uh, where, as of right now, I believe, I don't know who holds the exact spot. Seattle. It is Seattle who holds the last spot. However, they have like a 90% chance to hold that spot. Because what they need to happen is they need to win and they need Detroit to win in order to have that playoff spot. Uh, and Detroit plays Green Bay. However, Green Bay just needs to win. Doesn't matter what Seattle does and they will have that spot. 
and then for Detroit to win, they need Seattle to lose. And then, of course, to win that game against Green Bay on Sunday night. So it comes down to those final three teams. What do you think happens, Skyler? I'm going with the Packers to take this seventh spot here. Man, was I wrong about them last week. I'm not going to do that again. The defense has been so nasty. Rodgers is getting more comfortable each day. And they just have to beat Detroit to get in. That's it. Detroit did beat them earlier, but they only scored 15 points and they were playing in the dome. Yeah. I don't think they, they're going to be you know very well suited for a game in Lambeau next week. Talking about the, the last time that they played in Ford Field at, at Detroit when the, the Lions, of course, won that game, Aaron Rodgers threw like two or three picks in yeah. the red zone. And that's just something that doesn't happen, especially at home at Lambeau in January. Uh, so I'm picking the Packers to win that game. Uh, and that kind of destroys anything about the Seattle Seahawks, yeah. even if they win by 70 points on Sunday. Uh, uh, it feels crazy to say, but a team that we both ruled dead about five <laughs> weeks ago is about to run the goddamn table and get into the playoffs at the seventh spot uh, and play the San Francisco 49ers, perhaps if they win that last game against the Cardinals, which assuming that they do considering it's Colt McCoy or David blow or <laughs> great story though. Uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, I got the Packers. All right. Let's move to the AFC. AFC situation is, I believe a bit more complicated because there is extremely complicated. Five teams that can have that last spot. Uh, so first off Patriots hold the spot right now. Patriots play the, Bills this week, I believe they if they win, they're in regardless uh, because they beat the Dolphins last week. And I think that's what matters. Uh, Dolphins, if they win, Patriots lose and they have the spot. If the Steelers lose, uh, the Steelers, if the Patriots lose and the Dolphins lose and the Steelers get to get in, I think. Uh, yes. And then the, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans I believe there's a scenario still where the Jags can lose this game. So if the Patriots lose, the Dolphins lose, the Steelers lose, then the Jags can sneak in at that wow. seven spot. I think. Let me try. I'm I'm looking at NFL playoff machine right now. So if the okay. Dolphins lose, the uh, Steelers lose, and the New England. Uh, New England loses, then the Jags get in at wait no, yeah the Jags get in at the seventh spot, which would have to mean that the Titans win the division, which doesn't look like it's gonna happen because they're six point dogs at this point. Yeah, well, let's just get to it. Who's who's taking uh, the seven seats together? You know this is a really tough one because it all depends on Buffalo, who rightfully doesn't care very much about this next game against New England, but. Right now, I think it's got to be the Steelers. You know, I, I I still, you know, with all the distractions, just looking at the numbers, you take Buffalo over New England every time. Uh, you know, the Steelers still need to beat Cleveland. But the Jets are playing Skylar Thompson. The last time they played Skylar Thompson, they dropped 40 points on them. And I know the Jets don't look very good right now, but uh, things look very good for Pittsburgh right now. I'm taking Pittsburgh. My but prediction. do the Jets yeah. want to tank in order to get a better draft spot, which could help lure Derek Carr's pick to go to the Raiders, allowing us to have a better second first-round pick? No. 
I'm taking the Steelers. Uh, that's what I'm doing. I think the Steelers, especially if they get in the playoffs, regardless of who they face, could be a very tough team to get out just because of their like will to win right now. They just find a way in these past few games. I know the Ravens and the Raiders haven't really been two teams that have been great on holding leads this year. But the Steelers and Kenny Pickett look to be hitting their stride at the right time. Uh, and it'd be another team that we rule dead that makes the playoffs. That'd be awkward. So, uh, yeah, it would be a little awkward. But, uh, yeah, give me the Steelers. Nice. Let's talk about the Eagles now uh, and their recent struggles. Uh, they have lost two games in a row. That game against the Cowboys felt like it wouldn't mean much because they played a tough team in Dallas and they were in it the whole time. And then they go home and play the Saints in a game that should probably be a cakewalk, and they just didn't have a chance in that game. The only uh, touchdown that they scored was a 78-yard touchdown crazy play to A.J. Brown. Uh, but besides that, they couldn't find the end zone with Gardner Minshew. Do these struggles at all change your view about their playoff run, or should we just not talk about it at all because Jalen Hurts is going to be coming back for the playoffs? I don't think it matters. Uh, and Sirianni said today, too, Jalen Hurts appears to be playing next week. So if they can't get it done that week, it could change my mind. But it's still a pretty high-powered offensive attack when everyone's healthy. And they now have the number one ranked defense in the league after uh, Stidham destroyed San Francisco. So uh, they should be thanking Kyle some, a little bit. Uh, what was Where was I going with this? No, no. <laughs> I still like Philly. <laughs> it's been a crazy day. Yeah. I think Philly should be fine at home against the Giants, especially in that game where the Giants should probably be in a spot where they don't, you know, overextend their players and give Saquon 30 carries and make Daniel Jones run through traffic or anything like that. The Eagles should be fine in this game. If they do lose this game, however, that's when I get scared because they're going to have to go into Tampa next week and Tampa just played their best game of the season. But if they win this game, Jalen Hurts is healthy, gets an extra week to rest. The Eagles will be just fine and likely will have a pretty easy walk into the NFC Championship. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get into Daniel Jones. He has had surprisingly a very good season. He was always very much a turnover machine. He had 23 turnovers his rookie year, 16 the next year, 10 last year, and only eight this year. Has Daniel Jones, I mean, now he also led his team in the playoff. I feel like I should mention that as well. Mm -hmm. Has he done enough to earn like a long-term contract in New York? Or is he just going to be playing on these one-year deals for the rest of his career? I think he's earned it, man. You know, the quarterback market has been mostly dry the past couple of years. And it's going to continue that way, too. Uh, Jones has been a great leader throughout his entire career. Like you said, he made the playoffs on the rookie deal. That's you know, uh, GM's best friend right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 22 total touchdowns, only five interceptions. He's been perfectly fine, and I think he deserves it. Yeah. Uh, I think he does, too. Uh, when you lead a team to the, like the Giants to the playoffs and see how the fans are reacting to it, they love this, dude. And he's been running hard. He's been throwing the ball well. And even though maybe the touchdown stats aren't there, he's been amazing for them. So, yeah, uh, give me... Give me Danny Dimes, man. All right. Take this Let's one. Let's move into uh, to halftime. Relatively quick halftime. Uh, let's see. We got six minutes left on our Zoom timer. Let's see if we can get through this. 
All right. Well, we're going to start it off with the NFL injuries, as always, and uh, a couple big ones we got to talk about here. Christian McCaffrey has an ankle sprain, but he's day-to-day. Um, I assume he won't be playing if they Probably. don't need him. Yeah. Uh, but something to keep an eye on. Another one is Jordan Poyer, Bill safety, unfortunate for the Bill secondary already, but uh, torn lateral meniscus. He is playing through the injury and will continue. I did not expect that. Wow. Uh, Tua, according to coach Mike McDaniel, not a part of the strategy for the game against the Jets. And uh, Bridgewater broke his thumb too. So like I said earlier, that's, you know, 99% of the time going to be Skylar Thompson playing that game. Uh, Unfortunate news in that Jets Seahawks game for the Seattle uh, linebacker, Jordan Brooks tore his ACL. I saw the play. It sucked. It wasn't gruesome, but it was one of those times where you knew when you turn the wrong way on the turf, uh, your season's over. And one more big one for a prediction of Kyle and I, Miles Jack, Steelers linebacker with a groin injury, will be out yeah. next week. So that's the injury report. And now let's quickly go over to some college football. You know, the playoff was this weekend. It did not disappoint. Um, the first one, man, Michigan, TCU, one of the craziest games I thought I would ever see this year. I was wrong, but TCU wins 51 to 45. Max Duggan keeps the crazy season alive with 225 yards and two touchdowns. The running game was crazy. Quinton Johnston, future first round pick, uh, took a, a slant to the house for over 70 yards. McCarthy looked good, but wasn't enough for Michigan. And uh, that night game, man, Georgia staying alive as a number one seed. They beat Ohio State 42-41. Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses the go-ahead field goal right at midnight Eastern time. So poetic. Another crazy story with Stetson Bennett, the six-year senior. He keeps his playoffs alive, but great performance from C.J. Stroud. 350 yards, four touchdowns, you know, trying to prove himself as QB2. So next weekend, we got Georgia. We got TCU. And I'm taking Georgia in this one, but I'll stop right there because one of my bets has to do with this game. I'm excited, though. Wow. Let's move into our layups and bull predictions. we got three minutes and 40 seconds to get through this, so we got <laughs> this. Uh, last week, two for two in our layups. Scaler had Dallas – or I had Dallas minus 10 versus Tennessee. They won by 14. Uh, and then Scaler had Alabama minus 6.5 versus Schmack Kansas them. State, and they destroyed uh, Kansas State. So it wasn't a problem there. This week, I have Houston and Indianapolis under 38. I think those two teams are going to be sucking. The defenses are going to be – Better than the offenses, uh, considering Sam Ellinger versus Jeff Driscoll slash Davis Mills. Uh, even a 20-17 game hits the under here, so give me the under. All right, I'm taking TCU plus 12.5 against Georgia. Georgia's still going to get the job done, but if you give up 41 points to Ohio State last week, you can do it again, I guarantee. Georgia holds on, but it's going to be a wild ride. How crazy would that you be like if that? TCU wins? That'd be insane. That would be insane. Uh, last week in our bold predictions, I had Carolina plus 140 versus Tampa Bay. It looked good at the beginning and they ended up choking because Sam Darnold played like Sam Darnold should yeah. be playing at the end. Uh, and that missed. Skyler had Minnesota over Green Bay at plus Sorry. 150. We won't even talk about that one. Yeah. Uh, this week, I have Tampa Bay plus 180 versus Atlanta. I think the expectations that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be resting their starters, yeah. but it does no good for the Falcons to win this game. They're going to want to lose, get a better pick, uh, and Tampa Bay would be just okay with getting that win. So give me the Tampa Bay plus 180. Yeah. 
Like I said earlier, the Steelers will make the playoffs. That's my bet. I like the odds of having multiple things having to happen here rather than take a a shot at a week 18 when you don't know who's going to be playing. So I like those odds. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for episode 121. Uh, Of course, uh, it was a pleasure as always. And uh, we'll see you guys next week uh, for episode 122 and that playoff preview and maybe some team grades for the teams that did not make the playoffs. Yeah. NBA's coming too. That's been a wild season. We just haven't found the right time for it. Yeah. Oh so yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah. The Jets. Go and TCU. Warriors. What? Georgia. What? And TCU to cover. All right. Adios. <laughs>